the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. Welcome and welcome aboard. We're going to be hopefully have a great hour. Let's see who's up. Um, Dan, Dan, yes, Dan, welcome to the program. How you doing? Doing good. 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 Hey, so um, I've been looking at righteousness, our righteousness, God's righteousness, and was wondering, so we have free will, and then there's obedience, and then there's righteousness, and how does that all play out? Because it says that we don't have any righteousness of ourselves. It's from God. And then if yeah. it's God's righteousness, how do we, and we're obedient. So where does obedience come into us yeah, being let's, obedient to God's word? Yeah, Go ahead. Let, yeah. So let's connect the dots here for just a minute. So when when you're talking about all these different subjects of, of free will, righteousness, and obedience, do, do human beings have what's called libertarian free will? I think that the answer is yes. Does that mean that they're free to do whatever they want? Um, I think that the answer is no, because can you freely fly to the moon? No. Can you freely act in such a way that it will please God? And I think that the answer is no. In other words, can you through, so let's do a mind experiment. Can you, through your free will, act in a way that is so righteous that it will make you acceptable to God? The answer is no. No. So, but does that mean that God doesn't have anything to say about other subjects? So does God ever say to you, be perfect? Well, yeah. He says, be perfect even as I am perfect. So now let's do the the thought take the thought experiment one step further. When when the when Jesus repeats that and he says be perfect as my father in heaven is perfect. Is that e- is that even possible? No. No, it's <laughs> impossible. So how can you in obedience fulfill the the command or the mandate? And and I think that the right answer is it's impossible apart from Christ. In in this sense, you are accepted on the basis not of your obedience and perfection, but based on Jesus' obedience and perfection. Now we go back to that other kind of bugaboo, and that is, well, when God says, honor your mother and your father, can you? Uh. Well, yeah, you can. But only in a limited way. It, I, I think in a limited way you can, in in the sense of 
Yes, given an opportunity to choose or choose otherwise between honoring or dishonoring, but can you honor them perfectly? The chances are you're not going to honor them perfectly. But yet, so so here is we're back to that other issue. Does God have a reasonable expectation that when he asks you to do something that you can do it? So what does the Bible actually ask you to do? Does it ask you to save yourself? No. Does it ask you to repent of your sin? Yes. The very fact that you have sin seems to be a good indication that you have free will. And the existence of hell, I think, is the most powerful evidence that human beings have free will. But again, free will doesn't mean the free... The, the uh, f- uh, unlimited freedom. Uh, the 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 word uh, is autonomous free will, and the word autonomous means self government. Auto nomos. Auto is self, and nomos is law, and so that's libertarian free will in a nutshell. And and um, so obviously there are people who deny that you have free will. But according to the Bible, you have the ability to choose or choose otherwise. You have the ability to hear and understand God and then obey God or disobey God and be held accountable. So does he look at, I would, I would think he looks at our heart and our intent if we're trying to be obedient to him. Because we don't, like it says, we don't have any righteousness of our own. It's, it's through him and it's, it's, um. I mean, we can't be righteous on our own. I mean, we can, but we can't. And, but it's like, are we doing it for his glory or are we doing it for our glory? And that, I guess that, am I thinking correctly there or not? Or, I mean, it's- Well, I think, I think one, one of the ways that you might think about it is that apart from Christ, it's impossible, it's impossible to please God. So, so the Bible says they who believe God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so, again, when we're talking about obedience we're, we're, and we're talking about righteous, I think what we have to talk about is are you talking about a kind of obedience that leads to self-righteousness and self-salvation? Can you of your own free will decide that you want to be saved apart from Christ? The answer is no. No, right. Okay. So, okay. So, so, when, when, so when you accept Christ, what what are the benefits? The benefit is that that according to the Bible, you are now you're chosen, adopted and accepted in Christ in the beloved. And, the, and according to the Bible, you are given a supernatural impartation of a Holy Spirit who can give you the power to say yes to obedience instead of yes to disobedience. And it's a matter of us allowing the Holy Spirit to, to work through us and being obedient and not, not following the, the flesh. So that's that's the Romans seven, and then we we, we go into Romans eight one, right? So we are we, we are we're, we're fighting our flesh and our spirit, 
and it's and and it's what does it say? There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Right, and remember what <laughs> condemnation means: the judicial pronouncement of guilt for crimes committed. There is therefore now no condemnation, the judicial pronouncement of guilt for crimes committed. In other words, I'm not going to go to hell because of my sin. Well, where are you going to go? I'm going to go to heaven. Why? Because you're in friendship and fellowship with God in Christ. Um, Does that mean that you're going to experience a perfect obedience? Maybe not. But but is there an expectation of obedience and the empowering presence for obedience? So think about it for just a moment. You get saved and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. According to the Bible, the Father has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome Satan. And the spirit inside of you overcomes the flesh. And so so you have permission to allow the Holy Spirit in you to act in power and confidence so that you can say yes to obedience instead of yes to sin. Who is in you than you in the world. So Exactly. Okay. Thank you. No, thank you. 303-873-1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program, I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. If you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303 303- 873-1935, over the last several days, I've been reporting that <laughs> there's news coming from the Middle East that there's no Christmas in Bethlehem this year, and a number of different news outlets have picked up the story, including Christianity Today, including other news uh um, groups that that are stationed in the Middle East. And I I watched um, a video that was posted um, of an explanation. There was a pastor who who basically said that in solidarity with the suffering in Gaza due to the Israel-Hamas war, leaders and municipal authorities and even church leaders decided to cancel all public festivities for the first time since modern celebrations began the birthplace of Jesus won't decorate the manger square scene. They posted images of a child in a pile of rubble with a Palestinian headscarf. And I thought, this is very, very interesting. This is very, very interesting, and at least on, on a couple of of levels because what they were basically saying well it's not appropriate to celebrate the birth of Jesus if Palestinian children are suffering um one person named Munir Kakish said quote due to the thousands killed and in prayer for peace we will only hold traditional services and devotionals on the meaning of Christmas. And what I thought about when I read that, and it begged the question, 
about the meaning of Christmas. What is the meaning of Christmas? And uh, a couple of things. Imagine you get asked that question this year. What is the true meaning of Christmas? And what if the true meaning of Christmas isn't a political statement in order to encourage an oppressed people group? Think about the transition that has just been made where people say, we're not going to celebrate Christmas in the birthplace of Jesus as a political outrage statement. But what's interesting, again, about what's happening is it has caused the world to go ahead and ask the question, well, what is the, what is the true meaning of Christmas? If you're going to cancel Christmas in Jordan, you're going to cr- cancel Christmas in, in Bethlehem, you're going to cr- uh, cancel Christmas in the West Bank. But the true meaning is in the most famous, famous passage of the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The true meaning of Christmas is the celebration of this incredible act of love whereby God sends his son to redeem human beings who are lost in sin. And so imagine, imagine, imagine when church leaders themselves say, well, let's not be unnecessarily festive. Catholic churches requested the same. The Council of Local Evangelical Churches in, 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 in the Holy Land said the same. And uh, again, the initiative, this according to Christianity Today, says came first from Jordan, home of the largest concentration of Palestinian refugees, many of whom have become Jordanian citizens. Now, Christmas is a public holiday in the Jordanian Muslim-majority nation. And um, I just find it interesting that out of all of the pain, all of the heartache, and all of the struggle that have come in my lifetime, this is the first time that the powers that be in Bethlehem said, we're not, we're not celebrating. Now, again, imagine you want to celebrate hope. You want to celebrate life. You want to celebrate the fact that God has intervened in human history. Because the real Christmas story is the story of God becoming a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. And again, what's the true meaning of Christmas? Why would God do such a thing? 
And the answer, of course, is because he loves us. Why was Christmas necessary? And by Christmas, I mean the incarnation. I mean the coming of Jesus into the world. And somebody might call and say, well, how do we know it was the 25th? And how do we know it was Christmas time? And I'm happy to answer any and all of those questions. But if you ask the great big question, why was the incarnation necessary? Why does God take on a human nature, a second nature? Because we need a Savior. I think sometimes in order to ask and answer the question, what is the true meaning of Christmas, you have to ask and answer another question. And that is, why does God love us so much? And of course, part of the answer, it's an incomplete answer, but part of the answer has to be found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, where John writes, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So why do we celebrate Christmas each year? Out of gratitude for what God has done for us in Christ. We remember his birth. And how do we celebrate? We exchange gifts. We worship him And especially we become conscious of the poor and the less fortunate. So again, is it an act of love to decide to not celebrate Christmas? I'm going to suggest to you that the true meaning of Christmas is love and that God loves his own and provided for his own a way to spend eternity with him. He gave his son to take our punishment for sin. He paid the price in full, and we're free from condemnation when we accept that free gift of love. And remember Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do Jewish people sometimes celebrate Christmas? Yeah. Do Muslim people sometimes celebrate Christmas? Yes. Do pagans celebrate Christmas? Yes. Do misguided liberal uh, Christians celebrate Christmas? The answer is yes. But I'm hoping that everyone will ask the question. What is the true meaning of Christmas? This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And apparently the President of the United States is responding to um, the effort on the part of the United States Congress, which has sort of, not sort of, has actually voted along party lines to impeach the president. 
Now, what's interesting, again, is history's repeating itself where Trump gets impeached not once but twice. President Biden is now um, going to face a formal impeachment. And in a lengthy statement, the president of the United States just gave a few minutes ago, um, well, in 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 a statement, he's written, and it clearly somebody wrote it for him, (laughs) <laughs> and I do I know that for sure? I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that. It, it's, it's, it's come under the guise that this is the president's words. Does he have people working with him? I, I suggest probably he does. But the president said, quote, the American people need their leaders in Congress to take action on important priorities for the nation and the world. On Tuesday, I met with the president of Ukraine, who's leading his people in a battle for freedom against Russian aggression. He came to America to ask for help. I'm stopping reading here for a moment because I have to put in parentheses for more money. Yet Republicans in Congress won't act to help. And we need to pause again because the Republicans are basically saying, how much money and when is too much money and what is your strategy uh, to end the war? The president of the United States said, the people of Israel are in a battle against terrorists and they're waiting for our help. Yet Republicans in Congress won't act to help. We have to address the situation at our southern border and I'm determined to try to fix the problem. Now, again, when you read all of this and you think about what's going on, it becomes so difficult to wade through the mess of information. And yet, when we read that people say, well, again, let's try to politicize the birth of Jesus. It makes perfect sense to me that in, in, in the world in which we live, where many people in, in the world don't really believe that Jesus ever came the first time, most historians clearly support the idea that a real person, a historical figure named Jesus was born and he lived And he was executed by the Roman government. Clearly, there are those people who don't believe that he was born of a virgin or that he rose from the dead. But I do. I do. Christians, the world, celebrate Christmas because Jesus was, in fact, born in Bethlehem. And a lot of different Christian traditions have been associated with the celebration of Christmas. Different cultures celebrate in a lot of different ways. But the unifying factor is the historical fact that Jesus was born. Different people have different ideas. The exact day or the exact year isn't clearly known But if you look at the chronological details of history, it narrows down the possibilities to a reasonable time frame. The biblical details of Jesus' birth are found in the Gospels, in Matthew, in 
Luke, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says that Jesus was born during the days of Herod the king. And since Herod died in 4 BC, we have a parameter to work with. Jesus is born prior to 4 BC, which must mean at least 5, possibly 6 BC. Further, after Joseph and Mary fled Bethlehem with Jesus, Herod ordered all the boys two years and younger in that village vicinity butchered, murdered. This indicates that Jesus could have been as old as two before Herod's death. So now that places his birth between 6 and 4 B.C., Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, which I was studying this morning, and it, it, it notes several other factors to take into consideration. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is the first registration when Quirinius was governing Syria, so we know Caesar Augustus reigned from 27 B.C. to A.D. 14, and Quirinius governed Syria during the same time period, apparently twice, which would place the census that included Judea right around 6 B.C. Some scholars debate whether that census mentioned by Luke, but it does appear to be the same event based on the historical details. So the most likely date is either 6 or 5 B.C. Or if you want to use the politically correct term, B.C.E., which is before the Common Era, but I am happy to use the old designation of before Christ and Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. So Luke mentions another detail concerning the timeline. Jesus, when he began his ministry, it says in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, was about 30 years of age. So Jesus began his ministry during the time of John the Baptist, who ministered in the wilderness. And John's ministry started, quote, unquote, according to Luke chapter 3, verse 1, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis and Licinius was tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas that according to Luke chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So the only time period that fits all of those facts is about 27 to 29 AD. So if Jesus is about 30 years of age by AD 27, a birth sometime between 6 and 4 B.C., would fit into that chronology. And more specifically, Jesus would have been about 32 years old 
at the time that he began his ministry, which is still about 30. So what about the day of Christ's birth? Well, the tradition of December 25th was developed long after the New Testament period. It's the day that Christians have agreed to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Can we say with certainty the exact date? Scholars say no, but there's good arguments, which may or may not try to get into. But what is known is that biblical and historical details point to an approximate year of birth. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea between 6 and 4 B.C. to Mary, his mother. And that birth changed history forever, along with the lives of countless people around the world. So... Good enough reason to celebrate? I think so. This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. And again, I do want to encourage you to pick up the phone and dial the number 888 888- Eight five seven eight ninety three forty. You know, we've been talking with Jack Hibbard about um, Heart for Lebanon and a winter survival essential kit for families living in southern Lebanon. We've talked a whole lot about those um, um, that that ministry and the work that it's doing. Won't you? Call the number 888-578-9340. Remember that your gift of $79 is going to take care of a family. We have uh, been asking people to consider even a gift of $158 to take care of two families. Our goal is 150 families. Remember, you can also go to 94.7 FM, The Word, and click on our Heart for Lebanon banner. And um, I've been talking about Bethlehem's decision to cancel Christmas. And it made me think about all the reasons why it's okay to celebrate Christmas. Now, again, if you put me on the spot and you say, does the Bible require Christians to celebrate Christmas? The answer is no. There are several time periods and groups of individuals who have who did who thought that it's ill-advised to set aside a time. They celebrate the incarnation, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus year-round. But is is it okay to set aside some time to uh, contemplate, reflect, and even celebrate? The birth of Jesus. Now, again, think about this culture in which we live, where they celebrate homosexual behavior, celebrate wickedness, celebrate perversion. But if you celebrate goodness, 
Well, that's suspect. And so, again, (laughs) Christians celebrate Christmas because the angel of the Lord said that the birth of Jesus is good news. Good news to be celebrated. There is so much bad news coming out of the Middle East. Many of you know that on the day the war broke out, on October 7th, I was in Jordan and spent the next, dare I say, at least 11 days in Jordan. But imagine there's good news. There's good news. Something good happens. The angel of the Lord said that the news of the birth of Jesus would cause great joy and be for all the people. The joyful celebration would be universal. So when the angel says great joy for all people, you mean even Palestinian people? I think so. Muslim people? I think so. Hindu people? I think so. People in Central and South America? I think so. People around the globe would be glad for this occasion. And we celebrate Christmas because the angel said in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. The three titles the angel describes or applies to Jesus are important. Jesus is the Savior who delivers us from sin and death. He's the human Messiah or Christ who fulfills the law and the prophets showing that God is faithful. Do you remember Matthew chapter 5, verse 17? Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So, Savior, yes. Messiah, yes. Lord, yes. He's entered the world. The Almighty has taken on human flesh. God and man, the Lord God has taken on a second nature, a human nature. The second person of the Trinity takes on a human nature, creates an indivisible, eternal bond which fulfills the reality that God is truly with us. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate a Savior because we needed deliverance. We celebrate Christ in whom are all God's promises. Paul called them yes and amen in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. He said, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. That is That's Jesus. So we celebrate the Lord who in humility takes on the very nature of a servant for our sakes. 
Paul elaborates on that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, where he said, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. So we celebrate Christmas. Because the angel said, the Savior's born. We celebrate a Savior. And yeah, we even celebrate gift giving. For what reason? Because of the indescribable gift that God gave to us in second Corinthians chapter nine, where it says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. How do you begin to even talk about what God has done in Christ? My love, my, my wife loves Christmas Her name is Mary. We're even thinking about legally changing her middle name to Christmas. Merry Christmas, Geraci. And of course, like many people in the neighborhood, we string lights. Do you? We string lights because the light of the world has come to us. In John 1, 4, it says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. So we celebrate with light, and we celebrate with gifts, and we celebrate with Christmas cards, and we celebrate with Christmas choirs. Because these are expressions of joy. And we follow the example of Mary and Zacharias and Simeon and and the angels, all of whom extolled the Lord with poetic expressions in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. And so we celebrate the love and the condescension of God. So, if you're thinking about canceling Christmas, I think it's okay for you to celebrate. Thanks for joining me. Merry Christmas. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.